0: This is Hemant Mehta for the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. I am going solo today. I'll be back next week with Jessica. But I'm doing this because I'm out of town as you are hearing this, so I recorded this interview in advance. Because I spend so much time writing about atheism and talking about it, It turns out I don't actually listen to a lot of atheist podcasts or watch YouTube channels about it myself. Uh, They don't usually tell me anything I haven't seen or heard before. But one exception to that rule is Thomas Smith. I listen to as many of his podcasts as I can because I always feel like I'm learning something new and useful and vital. Thomas Smith began podcasting in 2010 with a quest to read the entire Bible while providing critical commentary and humor along the way. That project soon led to many others. His podcast Serious Inquiries Only is a show about science, philosophy, politics, and skepticism. Another podcast, Opening Arguments, with co-host Andrew Torres, is a legal podcast that takes complex legal issues in the news and breaks them down in an accessible and entertaining way. Finally, Philosophers in Space uncovers and explains the philosophy behind your favorite works of sci-fi. Thomas and I talked about the right-word shift of some big-name atheists, why so many skeptics seem to be pushing conservative arguments these days, and what, if any, are the best strategies we ought to use to counter that misinformation. I think you'll enjoy the conversation, and I apologize in advance for the audio quality on my end, but thankfully, he sounds great, and he's the guy you want to listen to. Thomas, thank you so much for joining me here. So for people who aren't familiar with you and your work, can you tell us how you got involved in this
1: world of atheism, uh, philosophy, uh, religion, all that stuff? I'd love to. First and foremost, Hemant, I think this is the first time we've spoken since your glorious Jeopardy uh, run (laughs) But I just wanted to say congrats on. Uh, That was so cool. It was so fun watching you. And I was, I was heartbreaker. I thought you were going to get that second one, but uh,
0: I uh, knew I didn't get that second (laughs) one and I was very, very
1: okay. not (laughs) But that was so, so fun to see a friend up there doing great. That was super cool. So atheism. Yeah. Yeah. I um started in around 20. So I got really into atheism and, you know, like a lot of us kind of the four horsemen era, you know, I'm sure many people date before that, but for me, that was kind of like my age. It kind of made sense, you know, I was just graduating from college. And I just gotten, you know, i had been raised religious. Uh, I imagine this is the same story as a lot of people have heard over and over. But, you know, raised religious, but for me, I'm not from the South or anything. I'm not from like a a really religious household, but like, you know, religious and and more importantly, like super right wing. Um, And uh, getting into atheism uh, was really interesting. And this will sound funny at the time, probably with what we're going to talk about especially but the four horsemen were actually really influential in not only atheism i was already an atheist they didn't really like change my mind on that they just made the arguments more fun made them more clear more interesting that's the um, same ta- for me yeah yeah taught me a lot about science i particularly love uh dawkins book on evolution um the names escaping uh greatest show on earth i think oh is that what okay it is? yeah yeah that's that one- definitely one okay. of them <laughs> yeah, it came out a little later. I yeah around, yeah. you know, the time he, the, his other ones I think had that was after the God that. Delusion. My yes, my
0: yeah. favorite one of his was The Ancestor's Tale, which I think mm, was the one he put out that.
1: right before The God Delusion. Right. I think I went back. I don't I think I went back and read that after the fact cuz I wasn't like following yeah. him at that time. But anyway, um really entertaining stuff and really I loved learning, but they actually, believe it or not, influenced me in not just atheism but in dropping my conservative views they actually because yeah and uh it's part of the kind of the depressing part of it to me is how back then they would i I still think obviously there are elements of conservatism and and uh reactionary politics in them of course but it was just so matter of fact that they'd speak about like oh you know obviously the the democratic party is uh, has knows more stuff is more science-based like just just not a huge uh Case they made or anything, but just by like that osmosis of these really intelligent people are all liberal at that time mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and reject a lot of the conservative beliefs that I had specifically. And, and it was, I guess it was more about that. It was more like a rejection of like, you know, being not, not understanding climate change, um, not it's other arguments like that where it's like, oh my gosh. And that was really instrumental to moving me fully, fully left. Uh, to, to the flaming progressive you know I become now, um and anyway, around that time i, uh, I actually had a, a lot of recording equipment because uh, music was actually my first passion and uh because music's so important to me, I find everything to do to avoid doing it because it's too important <laughs> um, i do I do all the music for my podcast but but uh, otherwise it was like this. Um procrastination gotten really out of hand. I basically basically made a career out of procrastinating from doing the thing I really thought was my passion, you know. So podcasting and, uh, was the procrastination. Right. So I had the, I, the mic <laughs> I exactly I had the mic around and I thought, you know, as much as I was raised religious, or maybe like most Christians, <laughs> I hadn't read the Bible and uh uh-huh. didn't know, yeah, I knew the the crap you hear you know, just through the atmosphere of the some of the stories. And, and I did, you know, a lot of the Sunday school stuff of teaching the obviously cherry picked, like, <laughs> the few good stories right. in, the, in the Bible, right? And I was like, I'm just gonna read this damn thing. I, I, at first, I was looking for a podcast. I was like, ah, give me a podcast to like, go through it. And then obviously, every single Bible podcast I found at that time in 2009 ish, or whatever was like, super religious, you know, yeah. going through the Bible. And I was just like, I can't, I can't listen to this. So I was like, you know what i'll just be the change i want to see in the world i'll just do this thing i'll just read the bible as an atheist all the way through this is the worst idea all the way through <laughs> reading and and then i had heard you know um christopher hitchens always say that the the king james was the best another huge mistake oh i should yeah. have asked if what are you doing on your show yeah <laughs> is there cursing on your show yes, this is a clean yeah, show go ahead. Oh, cursing. yeah that was no, a huge mistake <laughs> anyone listening is like it's so not a clean show OK, <laughs> and I, uh, I will
0: say I did not know you had uh, embarked on that project when I started doing a YouTube version of exactly what you're saying. Oh, sweet. Um, But yeah, like I started it and then it didn't take long to realize, oh, no, what
1: have I started? Yeah, because yeah, I, I think you're like happened. me, like now I can't stop. You start in Genesis, man. You're like, this is great comedy heaven. Yeah. There's so many good <laughs> stories. They're dumb, yeah. you know, and then you get to page... <laughs> <laughs> and every story you've ever heard of ever from the Bible is done. It's yeah. it's un- unbelievable. I'll never get over it. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. And it, people are like, but what about Adam and Eve? Yeah, that's p- paragraph that's... like one. It's, it's so short. There's yeah. nothing. Oh, what about Noah? That's got to be, you know, surely, because the epic movie <laughs> was that's three in the middle hours or whatever. That's got to be <laughs> yeah.
0: 30% into the book. No, that's There's got to be several seven. chapters it's, with
1: character yeah. arcs. And no, that's, uh, yeah, paragraph seven, roughly. And it's done after that. It's, <laughs> there's no detail. It's terrible. And then you get to, and, and then here's the other funny thing. The next level is people are like, yeah, you're right. And then you get to those begats. No, even that is like a couple <laughs> pages early on. That's not the worst of it because you can just kind of, you know, I blew through that. Like, whatever. I'm not going to – I read almost every word but not quite. And some of the stuff I was like, all right, begat, begat. Fuck, this, who cares? Nobody's yeah. going to process this. And then you get to just hours, just hours and hours and pages and pages of nothing. Like these really weird stories of these people fighting different people or, do, you know, collecting a of foreskins or do it, just the yeah. weirdest shit. And it's mostly boring. There's like a few yeah. – the biggest sin of the Bible, in my opinion, is how boring it is. Like that's big, mm-hmm. <laughs> bigger than all the genocide, all the other stuff. It's just so fucking boring, and nobody it's knows. Full of genocide, but also it needs an editor, and that's <laughs> yeah, that yeah. That's yeah at least make your genocide entertaining. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's terrible. And uh, how far did you get into that podcast oh, before finished. you? I finished. You went through the whole thing. Yeah. Well, it took, so my original plan was absolutely fucking stupid. I was like, I modeled it after these Bible a day for a year podcast that the Christian ones I saw, I was like, I'll do that Bible, something a day for a year. I divided it up, you know, and that was an impossible pace to maintain. I did it for like (laughs) a couple weeks and then I was like, this is impossible. I hate it. And then I started, you know, okay, maybe I'll finish it in like five years. And it eventually stretched. (laughs) I did finish it though in like six years, I think. And okay. uh, it was it was interesting that I got through it. The other thing that nobody knows about the Bible, except the, us who've read it, is the New <laughs> Testament, the only thing that matters, really, besides the first page that has all the uh, the stories we've heard of, the New yeah. Testament is what? It's like, I, I did the math just for fun. It's like, I want to say it's like 28% of the Bible. It's like a mm. tiny portion of the Bible. Most of it, the lion's share of it, like a, a super majority of it, is this boring shit that nobody knows anything about. It is not half and half. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so that, that got me into, and then I eventually was like, all right, I'm tired of doing a podcast where all I get to do is read this shit. So I started another atheism podcast to maybe, you know, talk about more issues around atheism and all that kind of thing. And that led to, uh, what's now my, my mainstay is opening arguments. Cause I, you know, I was, it's a funny story. I was doing a debate on abortion. I think if I remember correctly with a Christian and, uh, he asked me, you know, this typical conservative bullshit of like point to the where it says in the constitution that you can have an abortion and i was like well at that time i was like you got me there i actually don't really know much about the Mm. law behind that like i support the right but i don't you know i wasn't very well versed in that particular line of argument i was just more versed in like the philosophy of it rather than where it's actually justified in law and so I, i punted that a little bit i think and then i got an email from somebody that i just could tell knew what the hell they were talking about and that was uh, Andrew Torres, who is also oh. an atheist and a and a, a very brilliant lawyer, uh, and and that led to starting opening arguments, which is a law based show, not much to do with atheism. Occasionally, we we tackle uh, atheist topics, and we do tackle um you know freedom of religion and. It's uh, hard to talk about law these days without getting into freedom of yeah. religion, quote unquote arguments, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And it's uh, gone, by the way. I mean, it's been as a result of, <laughs> of us bungling or, you know, the easiest mm. electoral questions in the world for the past, I don't know, eight years, probably roughly. Yeah. Um, it's gone. Like we've we've ruined, you know, the, the Constitution is ruined in terms of in terms of separation of church and state. It's just absolutely obliterated. I'm going uh, to cross impressive. that question off my list. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. OK, sorry. I've, I've talked at length. <laughs> no, That's no. It's of the origin fine. story. Um, let me ask you, one thing I always
0: enjoy about your, uh, your different shows, Skepti- uh, Serious Inquiries Only, you always do so much research. As I said in the intro, I enjoy listening to it because unlike a lot of other typical atheist podcasts that are out there, I feel like I've heard a lot of what those people are saying. I'm not denigrating that at all, but I always feel like I'm learning something from your shows because it's so research-heavy and it's great um in that sense i really appreciate it but one thing that uh, i really wanted to talk to you about because i know you have thoughts on this i don't know if you knew this this past week or maybe a couple of weeks ago it was the 10th anniversary of the 2012 reason rally in oh, dc yeah. so like the largest single gathering of the atheist movement was that the last
1: one before it went to shit or cuz uh, i remember
0: like there was one in 2016 That included, you know, the champions of reason like Dave Rubin and
1: people like that. Okay, was this the one, maybe I'm getting my things crossed, but wasn't this the one where they tried to have like Johnny Depp or something and the whole thing imploded? That was
0: 2016 and that imploded. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so he didn't show up, but... uh huh. (laughs) I know, I know. Somehow they could have found a way to make it look even worse in hindsight, (laughs) but... If you're going back to 2012, I mean, here's the question. I was involved with groups at that time. I've heard almost entirely positive things about that 2012 event from the people Mm -hmm. who attended it. It was kind of like a high point of the new atheism surge that was happening in the years prior. But I guess the question I wanted to ask you is, if it's been long enough before, after all those new atheist books came out, the ones you said— were influential for you too. Are we better off as a result of that new atheism movement? Mm. Are things better off for atheists now than they were in the mid-2000s, 2010, 2012, times like that? Or in what ways? That's Complicated a question. Question.
1: No, that's a fantastic question. Uh, there's lots of ways to look at that. And I think that there are very important ways in which we're worse off because of it. And I hate to say that. Because I, I loved it. I mean, I absolutely – I want – you know that fucking video, The Four Horsemen Talk, the original one, where they're just chatting yes. in a room? I watched that shit a hundred times. I love that. I loved The Four Horsemen to death. They were the best. They're so interesting. And it it it, it pains me how much how, to the opposite of that I feel now. Like it's just – it's disturbing. I'll tell you why we're worse off. And it's this is not just like – trying to be rhetorically, you know, whatever, like, this is real, like we are worse off because the more I think about that movement and how it was so big and why, you know, a lot of us, I, I think a lot of people in atheism at, for many different reasons are asking like what happened, where did it all go? You know? And especially, you know, now it's like with COVID and everything, I mean, every, every organizing in general has just been decimated yeah. and it's really tough, but like in 20, you know, 16, 20, 17, like around then it's like, what happened? We used to have these, Cons, you know, they're really big. There's still a few. I don't want to short James. Yeah. There's still a few really good conventions. Um, for example, whenever COVID allows us to go to QED. That is just my absolute favorite. I love that that conference. I'm going. To, I'm going to be at AaCon. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, you're yeah. going to be there, but I'm, the American oh, Atheist cool. one. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't yeah. be there, but yeah, oh, okay. it's, they
0: it's run by fantastic people. Yeah. They have. I mean,
1: a now wide it is, variety yeah. of speakers. Yeah, <laughs> now they got rid of David Silverman. Uh, <laughs> it is run by fantastic people. Um, so still a lot of good stuff. I do not want to shortchange like the great stuff going on, but there's no denying, and and any any organizer will tell you this too. There's no denying that there's just this massive drop off. And uh, a lot of us have just wondered why. And, I, I, you know, it's the star power of the Four Horsemen is definitely a thing. But, like, why? Why did they have such an ability to draw crowds that we didn't? And I can't help but think that, in retrospect, a lot of it was rooted in Islamophobia. And, like, I I don't – I think I was in denial of it at the time. But I think that's why you had so much appeal because a lot of people – getting that extra energy of, like, wanting to go to events, wanting to whatever is – the appeal of these arguments against Islam that but frankly, in retrospect, like it was just an incredibly, I think, honestly a bigoted way of looking at the world of, of hyper-focusing on the dangers of one particular religion when, you know, Christianity in this country it, it has been far more harmful in terms of what we've done. You know, what it's, what it's created, the foreign policy that it's led to the, the leaders it's installed in our, you know, all that. And, uh, I, I can't help but think that's a, a major chunk of it. Not all of it. You know, obviously they're also just entertaining speakers and and they had that sort of star power that led to a lot of uh, people coming out. But um, so back to the, uh, the question though, I think that we are, there's some ways that I'm sure a lot of people individually are better off. You know, I, it, I, it's easy for me to forget living in California, how much religion still really is a, a terrible impact on people's lives in this country, especially in the South. Um, where I hear from a lot, you know, because it's hard, uh, just as a human to, to always remember different places you've been at in your story. You know, like when some people you you do the deconversion, or you do the thing you get into, it, and then you kind of maybe you outgrow the, the enthusiasm for atheism. And but like a lot of people are still very much in that place where they're forced to go to a church that doesn't accept them, just just all kinds of crap, you know, that 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 happens, and they still need us. And they still need you know, those arguments, they still need that community. Um, And it's easy for me to kind of lose track of that in California, where it's, you know, for the most part, pretty, uh, pretty, you know, not, although I say that California has the most Trump supporters of any state, because it's huge. Uh, And people, people forget that as well. But anyway, the point is uh, individually, I think it's helped a lot of people, but as a movement, I think all in all, it's, it's, uh, Not only was it a force for bad; it was literally an undermining force of its own goals, and I mean that undermining what? Its own goals, because what it led to was if if one of the main goals of the atheism movement of the new atheism movement was getting reducing the influence of religion in our country, um, protecting that separation of church and state, those sorts of things. If that if you take that as one of the stated goals it ultimately did more to undermine that than to help it because it gave, uh, uh, the, the movement created, this it is a massive topic to talk about, but this white identity politics, uh, and this white male specifically, uh, the space to kind of, it, it's not everybody, but it really energized a lot of those dynamics of things that angry white dudes care about, you know, and, what that led to, if you take, take Dave Rubin as like a microcosm, you know, if you want to say Dave Rubin was, he was never like an atheist leader. I right? did people overblown no, that, but he, no. he was, you know, somewhat influential in atheism early on in his show. And, and for those who don't know him, can you briefly describe oh, who he is? He's a horrible YouTuber that pretended to be a liberal, even though he wasn't for the longest, he did this like long con of like, I'm a pretend liberal. You know, but I, I'm but a actually, liberal. Exactly. And like yeah, the liberals yeah. have lost me. He did this like, and it's, it was absolutely. Which Bill Maher has
0: done, which a lot of people oh, have God, taken that same route, which is no, 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 I'm still a liberal. It's all of you who have gone yeah. crazy to the left. Um, meanwhile, yes. they're getting, I mean, Rubin specifically gets used by like Prager U to promote their ideas. He gets, he, he runs right. in conservative circles now. He, he was funded like by
1: uh the paypal uh, who's that guy the paypal guy uh peter teal yes he was funded by yeah. peter. like it was he it was a long con the whole way like it never there never was a like i was just a liberal and then duh, 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 i'm now a cons-. like it was a long con the whole way in my opinion um and he it was so funny because there's this video that i don't know if you saw um there was so much going on in the world it might have been a year or two ago where he finally did his like coming out as a conservative did you catch this one he that was at an event. Vaguely familiar is at some event where there was obviously a fucking Republican bullshit event because that's what he's been this whole time. And he does this reveal of like, <laughs> "Well, I'm not afraid to uh, call myself a conservative," you know, like this reveal. And nobody <laughs> waiting reacted. for applause.
0: Waiting like, <laughs> for yeah.
1: applause. It was like The Simpsons where uh, uh, you know what's his name is the, discovered to be seeing the uh, the burlesque show and and uh, everybody oh, nobody cares. Grandpa's yeah no i I think it's a barney is that his name oh it might be okay anyway uh and they have somebody has to react i think it's uh the bartender has to react like (laughs) oh uh that guy oh no uh it's like that where nobody reacted nobody because they all knew he was conservative it was so obvious and then he even you could find this video he even was like that was supposed to be an applause line. he did a jet, right (laughs) like please clap (laughs) please clap (laughs) basically anyway um, the way it undermine the way the movement undermined the goals is that's a microcosm of shifting focus from things that atheists should care about, which is, you know, uh, in my opinion, like if you're going to be a movement uh, fighting against the impact of Christianity in this country, all that stuff I mentioned, and it took that and and instead, um, it solely focused on being anti-Islam for for a long time. Like that was a major focus of how. How bad Islam was around the world and how much the liberal, you know, order was like ignoring it. And then it might then it sort of migrated into like they're not so even feminist, letting you criticize it. Feminists in America have a problem with X, Y, and Z,
0: but Muslim women in these other countries oh, yeah. have it yeah. worse. So we'll ignore the problems you have over here. Right. Or at least down they're not as important as
1: this big priority over there. Which I if anyone thinks you're like you know, straw manning. That's literally the Richard Dawkins (laughs) your Muslima comment. Just search that if you're not versed in that. Uh, Yeah. And then slowly over time, I I realized what they did around 2000, probably 17 ish, 16, 17 is they shifted. And instead of Islam, that was the thing they would demagogue at all times. It just became anti-wokeness. And it was just the new, it's a hundred percent. If you follow Sam Harris, all those other like, that community is a hundred percent dedicated to anti-wokeness now. It's just non-stop. Oh, you're gonna I wanna to get to there in a second. Let me add a couple
0: thoughts on the the Islamic thing. I think what I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like one of the things that happened is yes, they def I mean I was up I was I feel like I was a part of that, not a leader in any sort of way, but I I was into that too, where it's saying here are the problems mm-hmm. with the religion, and I can make the case for why I don't care what you think about drawing this image. I see it as a free yeah. speech issue. So fine. Yeah, I get the okay, it, uh, wearing a hijab is if it's not really a choice, then we should fight about that. Yeah, I understood the arguments for all that stuff. But I mean, if you're looking for people who really hate Muslims, you're gonna find them on the right. Exactly. And so you get who's supporting that sort of cause. On one hand, you have the religious freedom side of things and the atheism side of things, which always struck me as a more liberal thing. But mm-hmm. the more you get into it, who's cheering you on, who's leading the charge there, you have a lot of people on the right. So all of a sudden when they're look those really vocal people that you're talking about, if you're looking for support and allies, where are you finding them? You're finding a lot of like-minded people from conservative sides. That's one thing that came to mind now, uh, yeah. that's easier for me, just speaking for myself to see now. Um, and also I think one of the things that I remember when I became an atheist is the thing that made me want to be activist about it, or at least talk about it in mm-hmm. some capacity, is the fact that if, for me, it was probably the one decision I made in my life, becoming an atheist, not believing in God, that no one else told me to do, no one influenced me to do it. I feel like I just figured that one Mm. out and it felt really powerful to know that everyone is wrong and I am right about this thing that is so weighty and being a contrarian about a thing that I feel everyone else is wrong about. It felt good and right and it felt even better once I realized I wasn't the only one. And I think for so many people, um, being the contrarian... Yeah, is the thing that they want to do. That's what gives them enjoyment. And that when you're talking about the wokeness thing, when you're talking about the yeah. uh, is anti-Muslim bigotry, which I we do want to fight, but which veers into Islamophobia, so much of that is, I want to fight this because I want to mm-hmm. debate you. That's the thing I want to do. I don't care what the issue is. Oh, we're talking about COVID mandates? I'm going to fight you on that because debating stuff and being... The, you know, lone voice that thinks they're right on this thing everyone else feels, that's the power I want to get back to. And I know, personally, for me, it's like, okay, you know what, since I became an atheist, there really hasn't been a thing where I felt I was so right about it, and I could not find so many other voices of reason. Like, I don't lack... I could see where I don't have that same thrill, but also... Mm. I, I'm not eagerly trying to be saying it. I'm not eagerly looking for a thing that everyone else is wrong about. Um, I don't know where
1: I'm going with this, but that contrarian no, nature, I, I, I think has a lot right. of power for a lot of people. It does. Uh, it's that it is that. And, and I agree with you that like the thing about atheism is it is an obvious thing that we're right about that a bunch of people are wrong. about, <laughs> And it's amazing. It's amazing. You know? And I think that, one thing that can become a problem is if you start to think, as you say, like there are a lot of things like that, which I, I don't know how many things there are. Like the atheism is it's um, honestly, it's really clear. Like the only reason people are religious is because they're indoctrinated into it. I like, very rarely does somebody go from atheism, you know, being raised atheist to like latching onto a particular re- religion. It happens, but like for the most part, you are the religion your parents were. Uh, Mm -hmm. like almost entirely deterministic in that way. Like, and it's because you have to be taught these things at an early age. And, and don't get me wrong. I I have plenty of problems with, with uh, the tenets of Islam and the, you know, the anti-feminist kind of all that stuff. There's, this is not to say like, is in no way an endorsement of that religion or any religion. It, it, for me, it was entirely about the focus and, and it, it's, it's a huge, it's a bigger problem than you'd think. Like, I, I think even well-meaning people, including me, and maybe including you, could feel like, okay, well, I'm not being like unfair in how I'm focusing on Islam because look how bad these tenants are, look how many people believe in this, and da-da-da. But in retrospect, it was it, you could even be telling the truth every time. Like you could even take true examples of like, here's a you know, f- a stoning that happened, and here's a whatever. But if you cherry pick and hyper focus on the, you know, the flaws or the whatever, the, the the visceral stories of trauma of one particular religion, it's going to give you a skewed view of the world. And it's going to activate you, uh... things in your human brain It's similar to how you said, where it's like also the people who will want to be a part of that will turn out to be maybe not in it for, the, for good reasons, uh, for the same the ones. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That they're right. Um, I don't know. We talked about this on our podcast a few weeks ago, but I don't know if you heard the Trojan horse affair podcast from the New York oh, times. God, and that, oh, man. But that covered totally. exactly what you're talking. They had it. It was eight episodes. And one of the episodes really focused on, uh, the humanist group, uh, yep. humanist UK. And yeah. if you listen to it, I mean, when I heard it, my thought was, I get what their complaints are about about an Islam school, Islamic school. Um and obviously we're only hearing the bulk of the story from the side of a guy running that school and a mm-hmm. reporter trying to defend what they were doing. But what the the conflict that happened there is you have Muslim um you have the atheists saying we're concerned about the extremist version of this and right. these guys are saying but that's not the thing we are talking about here. You're trying to lump us together you're trying to do this and that but that was the central conflict and i could see that happening as they are yeah. talking like i know what the atheists are complaining about um and that's a different focus from the thing the whole story was about
1: but i want to go back to um I can i say a word on that yeah, because please. i have been dying to talk about that podcast <laughs> I, I plan to do something on my show about that exact episode you're talking about because when they mention that i'm listening to this show just going along like oh this is super interesting and then they say and British humanists, I'm like, oh, my God, what's this going to be? I was I was like, how did, how did our people it's get almost involved like someone this. found an old photo of me or something? Yeah. And you're like, what is this going to be? Oh, my God, what did I look like back then? And not that I was involved at all, but like m- the community that I was kind of a part of showed its ass in that moment. And <laughs> here's it's a perfect example of the dynamic I'm talking about, or that I keep trying to get to, but sorry, I keep getting distracted. No um, the biggest problem is with skeptics, one of the biggest problems is being convinced that their own emotional feelings are actually the one true skepticism science thing. Like that's <laughs> that's the biggest flaw. And their their biases that uh, people who think they are rational and know all these pitfalls and reasoning pitfalls are the ones who can be the most convinced that they've they're the unbiased ones and everybody else is biased or ideological or whatever. And there's this dedication to not being ide- ideological, which makes no sense. Um, and you saw it in that moment because listen to that podcast, the the Trojan Horse affair. The central document in that is a letter that any fucking human with a half a brain could see was fake. It's right. the most obviously fake document of all time that was sent as like this alarming alarm bells of like the Muslims are planning to use this school to like all this plot. And you would have hoped, I would have hoped that people involved in Richard Dawkins's sponsored British humanist thing where it's all about skepticism. The tools of reason would have looked at that and been like, well, that's fucking stupid. Like, come on, this is the dumbest document I've ever seen. It is, Like, if it weren't so disturbing, it would be funny how badly faked this document is obviously a fake thing. And they fell for it or their biases allowed them to say like, well, maybe it's, I don't know if it's real or not, but there's still a problem here. And that is what their
0: response basically yeah. was. They downplayed the letter as being significant um, and
1: said, well, well we had legit concerns. Well, in and, retrospect, but i do you think yeah. they did that at the time? Because I don't think they did that at the time.
0: I don't, but you said you were listening to the podcast and they mentioned the British humanists and that was your inclination. Oh, oh, we're somehow part of the story. Our people yeah. are part of the yeah. story. I actually I knew about the podcast hadn't listened to it yet and the first hint I knew that these two worlds were overlapping is that I got a press release from the Humanist UK oh, group yeah. saying after that interview we <laughs> want to correct the record because mm-hmm. we feel like we were portrayed unfairly it's like oh damn the fact that this email is very long makes me think I should listen to this right away. Yeah. (laughs) But I want to go back to, since you brought up the wokeness thing, this is a thing that I know you've talked about several times. Like one is, did you see that coming this battle for wokeness? And two, like, why does this seem to be this, this right word grievance, heavy shift of so many of those like old school, new atheists. Why has that been the thing that seems to have captivated them. Do they not realize that the right is they're being used whether they like it or not to advance a right-wing agenda? Like, why is that the thing that captivated them
1: so much? It's, it's, you know, it's like the great man theory of history versus the dynamics of history. it's hard to say. I think it's easy for anyone to say in retrospect, they anticipated stuff. Um, I, as a good skeptic, I like to try to be accurate and, to the best I can about my feelings, like for example, I didn't think Trump would get elected in 2016. I'm <laughs> proud to say I did not think we were that fucking stupid as a country, and we are. And uh, you know, it, it's easy to be like, "Oh, I knew it. I knew we'd win." It's, okay, did you? Did, you were the one of the, mm-hmm. the one person, you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> and so for that reason, I don't think I foresaw this, and I certainly didn't foresee it. Uh, In 2010, 2011, 2012. But I will say that I caught on a little earlier than than a lot of people because of Dave Rubin's bullshit, actually, because he Mm -hmm. was so transparently, in my opinion, transparently just, uh, first of all, vacuous, like he had nothing to say. And people were because he had Sam Harris on were kind of like on to him as the next cool thing in atheism and uh, is completely vacuous. But also because he kept over and over using the regressive left. Remember, that's what it used to be mm-hmm, before. Whoa. Mm-hmm. They go through these terms until they find something that sticks. The regressive yeah. left was for, I don't know, how long was that? Like a year? That was, was a, just yeah, all they focused that was on while. that term. The regressive left. And that was like, I think a lot of people didn't catch on at that point and should have. Many did. But like, that was when I caught on, I think, was, was to to how much this was just a focus it's just the most basic uh unskeptical thing to do in arguing is nut picking you know like it's a great term it's where you just find the worst argument on the other side or the worst example of somebody on the other side and you blow that out of proportion and use it Mm. to represent their whole side and that is so here's one quote unquote crazy feminist therefore feminism is exactly exactly here's
0: one school or one group at one's college saying yep. these are our demands therefore all black people are making all these exactly. demands of society yeah
1: it, totally um, right and and it's that led to and ultimately to cap off what i've been saying that fixation on the now woke is it what's name that's the branding yeah. that stuck being anti-woke that has led to a ultimately a supreme court that is 6-3 conservative mm-hmm. over and democrat like will and still they, be six three and they are making decisions they're writing decisions that are absurd that are laughable that that just shred the constitution and take away any semblance of separation of church and state and yet the 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 major atheist voices that, that you know are no longer by the way that's another sign of it they don't even they're not even involved in atheism sam harris hasn't done an atheist related thing in I don't know ten years. Like, I mean, his podcast is not about atheism anymore. No, and and even if he would touch on atheism, he he doesn't do anything atheist. He's still looked at as like, oh, this atheist leader. He has almost nothing to do with atheism for at least eight years, I think. For what Uh, it's
0: worth, even when the end of faith came out, he even in the speeches he made at that time, he very much made it clear: I'm not here to be an atheist leader. I don't even like the word. We shouldn't need the word. Um, But it was I, I. I only say that to say the media made him out to be this new atheist
1: uh, well, leader because they like No, the not just that. that. I mean, he participated in a lot of debates that were an atheist debate. Debates a Christian, sure. which is okay. a thing yeah. that an atheist leader would do. I agree, I agree with you. He and I was going to bring that up too. Like he did have that. Like oh, I hate the term. We shouldn't need it, and you know. So, but like he acted as though he. You know, he was he was involved in trying to spread the, athe- the gospel of atheist. No, I don't want to use that word yeah, it, to yeah. spread it, to spread those arguments, you know? And even if you, you say like, Oh, I don't like the term, I don't want to be a leader, whatever. If you're out there debating Christians and I used to love those debates, you know, like his, he was, I, I thought he was a great debater, you know, in terms of uh, uh, getting on there and debating uh, Christians or other, other religions and, and fighting for atheist uh, arguments in that way. And he just, he stopped doing that and hasn't done anything close to that in in a very long time. And it, I, one thing that does suck is that he still gets referred to as like the, a leader of atheism now, which he w- absolutely was, but now he is not a leader of atheism in any way. Mm-hmm. He's just not. He's a, he has a podcast that's a, a, like a inch to the left of Joe Rogan's audience, maybe. And that's what he is. He's just an influencer of a bunch of people kind of like Joe Rogan fans. Like maybe slightly better than Joe Rogan fans, but not much because mm-hmm. there's plenty of they go on each other's shit, you know. Like he he goes on, he went on Joe Rogan, he works with him. Um the cross and, promotion among that crowd. Yeah. Uh the classical liberal crowd,
0: the grievance crowd is incredible. Uh, and
1: who are yeah. Sure, no, uh, uh, yeah.
0: I'm kind of wondering, okay, Sam Harris, whatever. I'm wondering who do you see as the people uh, who carry the most influence, who would still call themselves atheists, whether or not they want to say they're a leader or something? Like, who scares you? And I don't know if that's the right terminology either. Who carries the most influence among that anti woke, yeah, I'm an atheist, yeah, I'm a, I hate the regressive left sort of crowd mm. at this
1: point? I'm trying to parse your question. Do you mean who's still like within atheism, but also?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I know it's not a clear question here. Like Sam Harris, you're right. Never really was the head of anything, but obviously attracted a sizable atheist audience in his day. And and
1: I want to be clear. He was an atheist leader. Like I I, I want to be very clear. Like he was, he got, was part of why I was into atheism. He was one of the four horse people, Um, Um, but just isn't now is my point.
0: I feel like uh, in his wake, in that wake of Mm -hmm. those people, you also have like the Bogosians, the Lindsay's, the. Nothing. (laughs) That crowd of people who played on the atheism thing for a while, saying, yes, we can also become these in your face atheists and have since shifted to saying, here's why. Uh, all of academia is too liberal yeah. and all of that. I feel like that's kind of the worst of it,
1: maybe. Yeah, there isn't. Uh, the thing about Bogosian and Lindsay is they they really weren't very popular as atheists. They were never like leaders of a movement. They were people who latched on to coattails, wrote some books that didn't sell any copies and you know, whatever, they probably went to a few events or something. But like, honestly, those were people I could get on my shitty little podcast in 2014. <laughs> like, I know, I uh-huh. know, as an, uh-huh. as somebody who had an atheist podcast, who tried to book atheist people in 20, you know, starting in whatever, like it was 2014, or around that time, I know who, who was uh, somebody who was tough to get to and who wasn't. And the reason that I had James Lindsay on my show back then is he was a nobody who had like a little bit of a Twitter following, wrote a book that almost nobody read on atheism. Uh, but he, you know, he he was, he had some interesting thought along those lines. But do you think they, this is they part of the found, Yeah, I just want to ahead. finish that thought. They, they are not atheist leaders who moved their people to anti-wokeness or use their atheist fame to, to do that. In my opinion, they are, people who barely hacked it as anything atheist who made their names as anti-woke crusaders. They found and, an audience when they yes. started pushing for that stuff. Yes. They went, they, um, they became any sort of notable people purely on the backs of hating the woke and, and cherry picking, you know, nut picking those arguments all over and over.
0: It, there's always an audience to be found when you're very confident in your ignorance. Um, and they definitely, uh, have taken that ride. Do you think this is just part of a growing movement, and this happens all across the line? Like, if you go back 15, 20 years ago, there was a push for getting people to just be comfortable with atheism, where it was fighting for the idea of church-state separation and less religious influence. And maybe it was a little easier to unite under that umbrella. And now, for better or for worse, like while there are exceptions depending on where you live and things like that, there are plenty of resources out there for people who might be questioning their faith, who might be looking for some kind of community if they are new to atheism, which I know you and I don't need those resources. We're pretty comfortable with all that stuff. But like you said, there are plenty of people who are new to it. They need those resources too, but they're out there. So that stuff is there for them. So the question is like, you know, we're a bigger movement in a very loose sense. So of course you're going to have these weird schisms that go all over the place. Um, one of the arguments that I've heard from those ostensibly right-wing atheist groups and activists is remember the good old days when we were all united for a single cause. We want to go back to that. It's like, first of all, I have nothing in common with, or very little in common with you anymore. But I feel like that happens when any new movement that really took on something, when it grows and it becomes big, it's like uh, atheism is not the thing I care about anymore. Of course I write about it and talk about it and all that stuff. But if someone's watching or listening, I genuinely don't care if they agree with me or not. I'm not here collecting tally marks of atheists. Um, I want, if someone's a progressive Christian, and we share values. I probably have a ton more in common with that person. Um, So the thing that I've seen is a lot of the people who are interested and active in, like, organized atheism no longer do it, but they've used that passion to move on to other causes, whether it's reproductive rights or LGBTQ rights or things like that. They've taken that activism inspiration, and they're using it to fight against religious um, like, uh, Christian nationalism in other ways. Uh, and then you have, like, the people who still cling to, no, atheism is the thing that matters to me. Those seem to be, outside of the handful of, like, American atheist type of groups these days, those people who still cling to that, the good old days of 2004 and 2006 or whatever, they're the ones that seem to have shifted to the right.
1: Yeah, Hmm. there's a lot there. I think... I don't – one unfortunate thing that happened, and, and you touched on this with with the, your bit on the contrarianism. One, one other thing that a lot of people who build themselves and like to think of themselves as rational, as skeptics, as whatever, is that they have this tendency towards centrism because centrism is the easiest way to feel like you're smarter than the most people. If you're out mm. there saying, I'm not influenced by the Fox News or MSNBC, I'm not – it just mm-hmm. makes you feel like this – super independent thinker and they have an allergy to anything that's too one one party you know and what here's what uh, the really unfortunate thing that happened is almost the entirety of any issues that an atheist should care about became completely linked up with democratic party politics because mm-hmm. the biggest threat to all of that is republicans the biggest threat to abortion rights something that i think atheists should care about uh, because the the Almost the entirety of the arguments against abortion, abortion rights are religious, even though you find a handful of people here and there that are atheists. Mm-hmm. And that, but but like for the most part, that's because of the Christian movement in our country. Um, right. Anti-gay marriage, movement. we saw it. Anti-gay marriage. Who's against oh, that's, it? Oh, Who's that's sure? back as as well. That oh.
0: will be back. Yeah. <laughs> We're back to interracial marriage already, too. Yeah, those are all religious Um, arguments used against it primarily. I'm actually shocked in something—shocked is the wrong word— but I'm surprised that uh, so many people who are against trans rights— I mean, I know religious people have long been—conservative religious people have long been fighting against that sort of thing. I'm kind of amazed by the power that secular arguments against trans rights—
1: have taken hold of so many people because it used to be so easy to what's the name what how i guess um Mm -hmm. not not to i'm just wondering what what, uh, you're facing one
0: example one example being like uh we can't have trans women in women's sports the arguments that people use to make that claim are not usually religious ones they are like i am no no I'm, i'm talking about fairness in sports and testosterone levels and things like those are stupid arguments i'm saying those are not religious arguments totally you're right if we were going back a few years to fight against uh people fighting against gay marriage it was really hard relatively speaking to come up with secular reasons to deny that really easy to come up with religious arguments to deny that um so i'm actually like one of the things that is weird in this anti-trans world we're living in right now is how many secular arguments have been used to push that sort of thing. Um, and a reason it's been so easy for me to see so many atheists, those old school atheists, latch onto the same arguments because it's not just religious in nature. And religious conservatives love that.
1: Well, because their religion now, those people, their religion is anti-wokeness. That mm-hmm. is their religion. And nothing plays into their religion better then the idea that for example the the this it's so unfortunate that we have to spend so much time arguing about this um because it is a very deliberate ploy by people on the right the right what they have done in the last well probably forever but but particularly in you know in my adult life that i've witnessed it in the past 10 years or whatever they have entirely weaponized culture war issues as a way to distract from the fact that the very powerful among them want to not pay any taxes and do a bunch of bullshit and get away with murder in terms of, you know, and, and just stay in power and government. They, they don't have any issues anymore. All they have is this anti-wokeness and the, these cultural cultural war issues.
0: As in like That's... the Republicans don't even
1: have a platform anymore. No, exactly. Anymore. Exactly. All they have is, if you ever try to talk to a Trump supporter, it's they just have weird things that, they think liberals did they're just grievances this list of obscure grievances it's this entire just um i don't know what the word is it for this atmosphere this whole like a fake world of grievances against the woke or that the woke have perpetrated against them and the trans stuff plays into that because um it in order to believe that the leah thomas thing is like grossly unfair you have to believe that the ncaa an organization like an organization that is their job is the sport like it's it's a major thing this it's the fucking ncaa i don't even know how to say mm-hmm. it like th- th- that's their whole reason for being would have just what not thought about the issue or just because of wokeness been like yeah okay whatever they uh they say they're female so they can swim right now like they, they no, there's like these extensive rules every argument against leah thomas is based in just fake news it's all fake like it's all mm-hmm. numbers that somebody pulled out of their ass did you know that she, when she was swimming uh, as a male she was 460 foot made up number that meme mm-hmm. you see is a made up number it's it, none of that is true it's all based on this fake information uh, atmosphere they have this ecosystem rather that's just like it, it, it it's entirely self-reinforcing now because every example if you debunk one of them it doesn't matter. They have 18 other things that were also fake at the time, but that in their mind went down as real. Um, totally fake crap. Uh, trans women in sports is a, is a big one. Almost every story on that is fake or misleading in some way. And people, I, I guess because. <clears throat> Why I guess is it so
0: easy to fool so many atheists into thinking those are legit arguments? Because it plays because
1: into that's... their religion of anti-wokeness in my opinion it's that's their bias there the the places where people otherwise smart people because a lot of these atheists are perfectly intelligent people but the places where any human gets into trouble is where they have a blind spot for you know uh, arguments that appeal to their preconceived notions you know and this happens uh perfectly to everybody where it's like you shared something that was a you know i don't know from a leftist page for example progressive page and uh, you shared it because it seemed like it was true because, you know, maybe Trump did that whatever thing or somebody did the thing. And sometimes those are fake. Now, largely speaking, yeah. <laughs> those are true because <laughs> Trump is horrible. <laughs> or, but like a lot of those were. Mistaken. I've seen that sometimes, though, yeah, sure. and like, like I've got caught chamber sharing exists something, too. Yeah, you you those are the people that, that you question the least as humans, we just do that we question our in group the least we like if somebody mm-hmm. that's in our in group that we think is right about, you know, largely these questions, if they say something, we're gonna pretty much take it at face value. And that's what's happened, because this entire anti woke movement just has a million of those examples that they haven't questioned. And once you do that, over a period of years, you're willing to believe anything for the, like really extreme things that uh, are just not true because they, they play into those biases. I mean, I come from a Fox News family and it has been depressing to say the least to see what they are capable of believing now. You know, like back in, you know, it's always been bad, obviously, but mm-hmm. like at least it was somewhat, you know, more based in reality than it is now. The things that they are able to believe about world events about vaccines about covid it's it's unbelievable and it it doesn't come from one story it's not as though they see one thing on fox news and they're like oh well that's i guess it comes from a a a lifetime in some cases or multiple decades or years of being fed this misinformation and not questioning it and then over time you, you just you have more evidence in your mind that you know, COVID is f- fake, and all, and the, the anti or the woke are perpetrating this uh, COVID hoax for God knows why. I don't know why. Just some mysterious uh, mustache twirling reasons. So and, let's bring this. Yeah, let's bring this maybe right. full circle. Like one of the things that got both of us
0: interested in this world of activism, atheism, what have you, is we felt we were right about this very consequential thought this belief about God. And we all had our own ways of trying to convince people who really had strongly held beliefs about God. And we wanted to be like, but you're wrong. And I want to persuade you that I'm right about this. I want you to jump ship and, and hopefully I could find a way to persuade you. And one reason I think, like you said, those new atheists back in the day, even though we were atheists, they found a way to persuade a lot of people using whatever manner they had, whether it was kind of in-your-face Hitchens or uh, Daniel Dennett was more philosophical about it or whatever. They found a way to convince a lot of people. So a lot of the stuff you're saying about the wokeness, anti-wokeness stuff, it's a lot of that, which is I I cling to these beliefs. It turns out they're wrong, but I'm I'm stuck to them. I got to keep pushing it. This is all I have now. How do you yeah. convince those people, ostensibly skeptics, critical thinkers in their mind? How do you convince those people who are so dead set on feminism is wrong, Islam is the worst, I'm gonna ignore the Christian problem over here. It's like, how do you get them to open their eyes? They've done it before. They did it at least yeah, once in the past. Like that's it actually seems a really like good it point. Should be possible. But now we got to do all that stuff we did to religious people in the past. Now we got to do it to our own people.
1: And yeah. It's like, how the you're, hell do you, you have this any way to day. do every day? No, no, of course <laughs> not. Because if I did, we wouldn't be living in the shit world we're living in right now. Like the, I, you're, that. But you, you know, I've never thought of it in quite those terms. You're totally right. It's, it's a, that's very insightful thing to say. Like it has been done before. We, ha, you know, they. If you're talking about focusing on on just the atheist component, and not like broader mm-hmm. right wing yeah. movements, but the atheists at least that are now kind of right-wing anti-woke warriors you're right i mean they were convinced possibly of religion and then were deconverted i i've i do nothing these days but try to think of ways that we could do that and i just i'm at a loss i i have ideas but i think for the most part short of somebody writing an amazing book but the problem is like it's (laughs) so much it's so much harder anymore yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I can't, th- I don't think it's an equivalent thing. It's just so much harder to make these uphill, you know, it's a gish gallop. Most of that is yeah. a gish gallop where they How do you pierce the echo chamber? so many examples of fake shit or overblown shit or unreasonably focused on stuff that they think the woke believes or has done. And there's so much of it that it takes infinite more energy to debunk every single one of those things to a person that, by the way, is probably not even listening to you.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing you did that I really appreciated, I think this, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a while. Like, was it last year when the Bogosian crowd did their grievance studies hoax where they submitted these fake papers oh, to a bunch of
1: journals? Been like three and years, I think. It was three years. OK, so one <laughs> of the things I think,
0: I think you did this where you went through the article that they wrote up or something or you went through the papers that they were claiming were these examples of academia run wild. And you literally said, okay, this is a paper that they cite as having no value to the world of academics, but it definitely fulfills, like, you're using all the liberal buzzwords. And you actually went through those papers and said, this is what they're saying. This is what they discovered. This is actually insightful in a way, even if the headline was easy to mock. But, like, you kind of went through that stuff And that is a very different – I thought that's a really helpful, persuasive way to go about it because it's not like you brought on someone who was making those arguments and debated them, which I feel like we would have done. No, I did. So that was actually –
1: I did have James Lindsay on for that episode. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Well, because back then was right around the time he – you know, because I, you know, again, I corresponded with James Lindsay, I had him on the show to talk about certain issues, and I disagreed with him, but he seemed, he wasn't an insane person like he is now. He was, mm-hmm. you know, he was somebody who, you know, I, I was trying to, like, reach him from the kind of the other side of the social justice stuff, you know, like, I thought mm-hmm. he was, he. I thought he was reachable. Uh, and who knows if he was, Man, in retrospect, I doubt it, but maybe, I don't know, people snowball quickly. Um, He seemed reachable at the time. And I was a little bit, you know, over to the left of that in the social justice issues. And I tried to reach him and more and more that spread grew. And it got to the point where, you know, I remember I got an email. It's the weirdest thing. One of the last emails exchanges we had, he said like, "Ah, I'm done with this social justice shit. Like, as in like, he's tired of focusing on being anti-social justice. And then like a month or so later, I don't, maybe the timeline's wrong, but some months later, Yeah, the conceptual penis hoax thing happened. It was it was never again did he talk about a single other thing than anti-wokeness. And the example you're bringing up was when that came out, I did uh, several episodes, but Eli Bosnick came on the show um, to really just like debate him hard. Or or I think we did a breakdown. That might have been what it was. I think James at that point refused to come on and debate that (laughs) because the reason I bring it up. Let me finish I, and just I, say what the yeah, what the example please. actually was real quick. Yeah. Um we did a debunking and then I think he came on after that to try to have his say. And when he get, he sent me an email after the fact, I was like cuz he made a bunch of claims about like, "Oh, did you hear they're doing this at this university? Did you hear their this paper said this?" And I was like, "Hey, um as I do every show, shoot me the sources so I can post the fucking yeah. sources in the show notes." And he sends me an email that is just uh, co- links from a Twitter account that they all worshipped called. Uh, I've seen Shit. that Twitter handle. Yeah, and it, I was, can't a, remember it, it was a it was a Basically, the focus of it was people's dissertations, you know, like and like how mm-hmm. they're so stupid and uh, woke and whatever. And all it would do is make a dis- a completely distorted, catchy description of it, and then tweet mm-hmm. the link of the paper, which obviously nobody would read. And so people over time just came to believe that that everybody in academia was writing these stupid papers on God knows what because of this totally misleading thing. So I followed up on every link he sent me, looked at what the (laughs) papers were, and most of them were just like, well, yeah, this person wrote a reflective paper to finish their fucking degree and whatever, you know, like it's not it wasn't what they took it to be, which was did you know uh, woke scientists believe that such and such, such, and they they think that this, it's like, no, one graduate student wrote an essay that nobody read except their thesis advisor about their personal experience. And also, it wasn't just that. Like, there are actually some really good ones, too, that, that were legitimately interesting um, and would be good material for future experiments or future insights. And they collapsed all that into these ridiculous anti-woke headlines, uh that the and and it's it was just the that was the end that exchange was the end of any relationship with James Lindsay Uh, it's been at least three years I think it may be more actually I can't remember and uh when I published his links and talked about them he threatened to sue me for violating his copyright (laughs) which I asked Andrew Andrew Torres aforementioned uh aforementioned brilliant lawyer I was like is this anything he's like That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever read in my life. (laughs) He's worse at the law than he is at, uh, you know, uh, fucking his anti-woke bullshit. So, yeah, that was the source of that (laughs) That's
0: right. I mean, the thing I like about it is just saying, instead of necessarily just talking to him, you're just like, look, I'm going to lay out the facts for you because you're getting misinformation. Whoever is listening, whoever might be interested in going in depth on this stuff I'm going to lay it all out for you and try to give you the actual story behind what's happening. And I I wonder if that might be more persuasive than the shouting matches that we're so used to in other places in terms of trying to persuade people who um, might be persuadable, but aren't getting good information, uh, which is just look here's the thing that you keep hearing about. I'm just going to lay it out for you. I like those. I tend to like those podcasts and videos the most where it's just like, mm-hmm. we're not going to get into the crazy shit. They say, we're just going to tell you what's happening. Here's where we're getting our information from. Here's the actual story behind it and take it or leave it because we're not going <laughs> to we're not gonna throw yeah. it in your face.
1: But for those of you interested in the actual material, here you go. That's the conclusion I came to, but I got overwhelmed and just totally—it was too much. You know what I mean? Like it felt. I think that is the way to do it, and that is what I've tried to do at different points. And I've, I've, you know, had ideas to to do more projects along those lines, which is take whatever the thing, the right or the anti-woke crowd is making into the 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 viral thing of the moment, and they do this every day. There's a new thing. The students here shouted the blah and just try Mm -hmm. to put out the correct information in a way that would show up on the google uh search you know because that's the other thing is like there are many of these issues where if you search them if you hear about something you're like what was this you search them every single top result is ben shapiro talking about this uh, you know other and they they flood the zone with the misinformation and, uh, you know, like I, that has been how I want to do it. I just, I ran, honestly, I ran out of personal steam. Like it's so, it's so overwhelming because it, is. it never, it, it never feels like you accomplish anything. It always feels like you take one step forward and 900 steps back. And I got, mm-hmm. you know, like I honestly kind of ran out of steam on that and, uh, I still do it here and there. And, and I want to give a huge shout out to my co-host Lindsay Osterman on serious inquiries only who we've done a lot of really good work. And I say, we, she has done a lot of really good work in putting research into some of these issues because maybe to bring it full circle here, the most depressing thing about all of this is the rational bros, the, the, the skeptic (laughs) manosphere, that, that whole people, they are convinced they are a hundred percent convinced that they are on the side of science and that a Mm -hmm. bunch of woke activists have to ignore science in order to make their claims about anything, about race, about gender, about whatever. And they're 100% the opposite of right. Every single issue, and this is why I have a scientist, Dr. Lindsay Osterman, psychologist, do the actual research to show that, oh, no, you know what? Actually, more the progressive line, not that everything every, you know, SJW ever said was correct. I don't believe that at all. Like, there's plenty of people who are wrong on mm-hmm. my side as well. But largely, the science of these issues supports the progressive position on these issues. The science supports um, the uh, treating trans children in a certain way. Like she did a whole episode. I want to bring this up as an example. We did an episode of Serious Inquiries Only. Uh, forgive me. Would you mind if I just saw the search the the title real quick? And I yeah, yeah. While
0: absolutely, while you're looking for that title. But I mean, this is the point I want to make, which is I feel even when I make videos these days, sometimes it's I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything anymore. I'm just going to try to explain the backstory of this thing and just lay the information out there. And if if I can hopefully get the title right and maybe you stumble upon it in a search, more power to you. I mean, the most Mm -hmm. popular video I've had in YouTube on YouTube in several years is literally going through uh, every uh, killing in the Bible, uh, using Mm. a reference from Steve Wells, who wrote skeptics annotated Bible, but just saying like, look, here's every God sanctioned killing. I'm not offering much opinion on any of that. I'm just laying out every story for you. It's like a two hour video and here you go. And now I'm going to leave. You can discuss this amongst yourselves Um, But the idea of I'm not making a case that, you know, here's why religion is bad. Here's the thing. Mm. Nope. I'm just going to lay it out for you. And if you're looking for this information, I hope you find it. I, I feel like a lot of times with your podcast, that's what I like about it. It's you're not necessarily to me going after people who disagree with you, but you're saying, look, here's the thing that's troublesome. Let's look at it in depth because no one else seems to be doing that. And hopefully people who care about this thing will listen to it. And I feel like that's, that's an effective way to do it because it's really hard to capture people's attention. Otherwise.
1: Perhaps, I guess that's more of a, what's the dichotomy there is the other thing you're looking at, like, you know, trying to debate or trying to like, what's the, what's the alternative? Yeah.
0: There are definitely people who want to debate it. There's definitely a, you're wrong. And I'm just going to give you a, a short video that explains why you're stupid. Uh, that vibe, that general sense of videos and stuff that are just shortened in your face. And sometimes the best ones are, this isn't flashy, but I'm just going to lay it out there. And sometimes it's it's the equivalent of reading a longer book that goes in depth about a topic than yeah. the short article
1: that just kind of covers the bullet points. I know, but it's, it's, it's just so discouraging. You know, like, do you, yeah. for example... Uh, the one I wanted to shout out was uh, episode two eighty four and two eighty five. Um, did you hear about Deborah? So, Doctor Deborah So wrote the end of gender, debunking myths about sex and identity in our society, which was entirely just bullshit lies. Um, and. <laughs> Lindsay went through the science of all this, and mm-hmm. these these folks on the anti woke side are convinced that the opposite thing is happening. That I'm just emotionally being like, I really, you know, think trans people are fine, so I'm going to lie about the science to da It's it's exactly the opposite. Like you go through the science, and the um, you, you know, like one of the links uh, on the show notes I'm just looking at. Like she went through the uh, review, like a, a science review of the current best practices in care of transgender youth, and it perfectly, you know, backed up the claims that uh, Debra so was fighting against, you know, like Uh it's, it's precisely the opposite of true. The, the, like when it comes to trans people, when it comes to uh, race uh, and, and a lot of issues around systemic bias and systemic racism, the science backs up largely the progressive stance on it. Not, you know, obviously not, I can't, can't endorse every person that's on the progressive side, but largely speaking, the science backs up, The fact that there's systemic racism in our country, the science backs up that um, gender is very complicated and it's actually not as simple as, Oh, you, are born one sex or the other. It's biological. No, it's actually Mm -hmm. not that simple. And we went through, she went through on that episode, all kinds of different ways that gender is complicated. Uh, Even, even like setting aside trans people, like just there, there are lots of ways that people can be born that are very fascinating and it's it's more scientific minded. It's more skeptic minded. It's more open minded to learn about that and apply the best science rather than emotionally starting from what I want to believe and, and going from there.
0: And, and you would it, think the people who found a way to who push that exact exactly. point when it came to religion, they're so bad at doing it when it comes to gender and identity and cancel culture in big quote marks and all of that. It's like, wow, you guys are really swayed by bad anecdotes.
1: I wonder if we've heard that one before. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, the the response from most of the skeptic community to that Twitter account that uh, real real peer review that's what it was real mm. peer review. Mm-hmm. Would you? Uh, I just remembered. I think maybe that one got banned, and they started like real peer review one or two or something. Yeah, I, uh, but anyway, the response from our community was gulp that shit down and ask for more <laughs> that was the response oh can you see what the woke left is doing now and the response of what i think a true skeptic would be would be like here let me research that link let me read that yeah. paper let me let me at least read the fucking uh synopsis what does this, you call the first part of the, the abstract, <laughs> or abstract or whatever yeah that's what yeah, yeah. yeah let me at, re- at least read the abstract you know like <laughs> nope they just gulp it down and would love another that that was a lot of that it, it's so disappointing Because they they aren't any more rational or scientifically minded, I guess, than the religious people they always criticized. And this is why I don't think you're one really easy issue, correct? (laughs) (laughs) Right. This is why I don't
0: think the reason rally or anything like it would happen again. Because who the hell would you invite? Who would you invite to another one of those? Because a lot of the old people do not represent reason in any meaningful way. And I don't think you would find anyone who has. Uh, universal praise, either even yeah. by a majority of people. But I mean, one. Th- I mean, I, I'll close on this point. And we can wrap it up, which is that even though so many of those atheists seem to be on this right wing anti woke thing, and they hate the description that oh you're right wing or whatever, um, and yet if you look at any study that looks at non religious people, atheists specifically, politically. On these issues, we're overwhelmingly liberal and progressive Absolutely. on yeah. these issues. I I hope it stays that way. And it's just a case of the loudest voices that represent a minority of people getting heard. Um, because it's not shifting the the demographic, it seems. They're just appealing to the right-wing audience that they want. Um, yeah. I don't know if that changes. I'd be worried if that changes, but I haven't seen any reason to think...
1: Uh, no, atheists, atheists are the most large. liberal. If you divide any religious grouping, atheists are the most, I think Jewish people are close in terms of the uh, being being lefty. Uh, if yeah. if you look at the like Pew surveys and stuff. But no, that was a, a really interesting process I went through because after the the horrible bullshit MythCon thing that happened, I won't get into. <laughs> I did take this feeling of like, well, fuck the entire movement. They're all right wing pieces of shit. And then, you know, <laughs> like I did some research again, like, and uh, it's not true, you know, like atheists actually on the whole, by the numbers, looking at the data are incredibly liberal in their views. I don't know that that means they vote. Actually, no, I don't, I shouldn't say that. They also vote for, they vote for Hillary and Biden in the, in the strongest number. So it, yes. it, as you say, it's either like a silent majority thing. It's some combination of these things. It's either a silent majority thing it's either um the most online ones are the ones you hear from and they tend to be young angry white men not always but like that that tends to be the overwhelming force of these like manosphere skeptic people and so they you you get the impression that like well all these atheists might, must be just right wing activists and it's like no actually not it's just you hear from those ones a lot and also the uh, third component one sorry one final thing that i think yeah, is yeah yeah those audience are not atheists. I think a lot of them latch onto it because of the the reactionary views and just kind of don't really care about the atheist part of it. And yeah. especially now that almost every one of those people like Sam Harris and others don't do anything about atheism anymore. They're just right-wingers rather than atheists first who came to this you know, the, via the, those means. I know you don't want it, to... It's opening a can of worms to talk
0: about the MythCon thing. The funny <laughs> no, thing if, about if you that, want to,
1: yeah. Uh, you, you did a debate
0: at one of their conferences with a right-wing uh, reactionary type. I think I was also speaking at that event maybe the year or two before you when it was totally a normal, not yeah, right-wing, was. not reactionary thing. And I'm like, the hell happened the year after I left? And then with you, I think they actually had some decent attempts at a debate, maybe. I mean, the fact
1: that you were there was already shit. On. Yep. yeah that's a that's now, a great example to talk about um the year before what happened is it's it's a uh, very tawdry like interpersonal stuff what happened was the group got kind of taken over by it was like half you know, shitbag right-wing people and half actually really cool people. And there was almost like a coup. Like the, This is a skeptics the, group in like Milwaukee, it was Wisconsin. In Milwaukee, yeah, it, it's a skeptics group. And they uh the, the assholes won and the cool people <laughs> left. And so the year before I was there, you might, maybe you were there like the year before that one. I don't, cause I don't think you were there the year I was there. The year before I was there and I gave a Bible talk, it was a fantastic conference. It was super fun. It was yeah. awesome. And that's why I was like, when they asked me to come back the next year, I was like, absolutely. That was a great conference, super cool people, great debate. And then they just lost it. And now this is the peak of comedy, that group, which is mythicist Milwaukee. Their, their name was something that I don't think even atheists should support, which is Jesus mythicism. The idea that Jesus wasn't real. I mean, it's, it's an, it's an interesting issue to look at, but like ultimately it's a, it's a minority position among historians and all Uh that. I'm not I'm not going to hold a minority position unless I were a historian and an expert in that field uh, without good reason. So anyway, that was what their name was based on, and they were based in Milwaukee. And Mythicist Milwaukee is now putting on an event full of Christians in Texas. That's now what they're doing. <laughs> and it just goes to show how much it's not about they, – they aren't atheists. They don't give a shit about that anymore. They're not atheists who do right-wing stuff. They are right-wing people who at one time – were involved in atheism, and they don't do it anymore. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. The
0: uh, lineup at their conferences is always a, uh, you people see what you're doing here? Do you? Do you know who yeah, they're you They're just trolls.
1: It's a joke.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, thank you. It's always fun Talking to you, it's always fun listening to you. And I always appreciate the work you do, Thomas. Uh, is there oh, my people who might want to know more or
1: uh, support the stuff you're doing? Where can they go? Absolutely. Opening arguments. Um, and, and again, it, it's unfortunate, though. But if you are an atheist, if you are so- someone who cares about atheist values, the best thing you can do right now is at the support the Democratic Party, or at the very least, fight against Republicans in office. And nobody wants to be in that position. But that's another I was going to say that earlier. That's another reason why atheism as a movement is a little bit dead, because there's not really much for just atheists to do. The main battles are along political lines now. And and if you wanted to, like, put energy into an atheist cause, well, you have to go be a Democrat. Like, you have to go organize let for, me, de, for let Democrats.
0: Me, let me tweak that for you for a second. Sure. If you care about atheism then the thing that I would hope motivates just about everyone who thinks that label is meaningful to them is fighting against Christian influence in the government and culture, and only one party is doing that and has the ability to make that change happen. It's not that all atheists have to be Democrats. It's that if you care about church-state separation or religion— getting in the way of uh your bodily rights your sexual rights anything like that well republicans are doing that do you want to fight against it or not and that to me is the most obvious uh use of your skills and time and volunteer time or whatever it is donations so it's i I, because i've had this argument i've been reamed for this argument too which is it's not that atheists have to be democrats but if you care about religion not taking over the country, yeah. there is a way to the do The only that. thing to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and here's the funny thing. I'll add one more thing to that, which is if you don't care about any of those issues, if you are an atheist and you don't care about abortion rights, you don't care about protecting gay marriage, which is in— Jeopardy, by the way, the the Supreme Court, because we've allowed anti-womeness to take over everything and elect Donald Trump and appoint three justices, they may very well. They're going to strike down Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade is already dead, effectively, Mm -hmm. but they will strike it down. And gay marriage could be next. Right to contraceptives. These are basic issues that atheists... But by the way, won the battle on like 50 years ago. And because of uh, this absolute atrocious direction, we've gone now have to refight these battles. Now, let's say you're an atheist and you don't care about any of those issues. You don't care about any of that stuff. What do you care about? You're just a person who's mad that someone else believes an imaginary thing. And you don't care about any of the effects of that imaginary thing. Like, what would you even stand for then? You're just mad about someone's thought that's wrong. That's what you're mad about. Like if you don't care about the effects of religion on our society, then what do you care about? On the flip side of that, we've talked about this on my
0: podcast a couple of weeks ago, so which is why I bring it up. There's like a hundred million dollar campaign to promote Jesus. Uh, Just Jesus, not a church, not a denomination, just Jesus. And the same argument could be made, which is I know you want people to just get saved and believe in Jesus. I get that as a Mm. strategy of what you're trying to do. But I think it is impossible to say all of you should accept Jesus without addressing the effects of what that does uh, and and the consequences of where we are as a nation because of people who believe in Jesus. You can't unlink those two things, and it seems like a waste of everyone's time and money and effort for these Christians to be promoting Jesus while trying to pretend like the people who follow Jesus— are are not part of the plan here it's like you can't unlink those two and the same thing like if you care about atheism as a philosophy i get that but also let's talk you can't who cares who cares yeah. unless you care about the effects
1: of that the things are good exactly precisely and that
0: what they're doing in the name of of atheism or christianity
1: exactly. trying to push their faith on you um and all this was to Thank say you. that uh, <laughs> if you want to learn about more, uh, you know, especially the issues facing uh, the country and opening arguments is a great way to do that. I mean, it, we we break down Andrew, the expert over there, you know, breaks down really complicated legal stories in, in a way that's accessible. And it's, uh, it's, it's truly, I love that show. I feel I kind of consider myself a listener of the show because, you know, I'm just the host to Andrew and, and that kind of thing. And I've learned so much over the years from him and, and uh, really knowing what's going on uh, getting the actual detail of of these complex legal issues in the news because that's it's it's so important these days. I mean, all of the Trump administration it was every day was another like, what the hell can he do this? You know, what is the legal authority for this thing? And uh, it's that's a great place to go. Serious inquiries only. As my other show with uh, Dr. Lindsay Osterman, uh, again, some of the stuff we do, I brought up the examples, but she breaks down the science of a lot of these issues. And uh, surprise, surprise, the science never supports the reactionary. anti-worker. <laughs> never, never does. It never does. Uh, and also Philosophers in Space is a fun one that's uh, about sci-fi. Uh, and we talk about sci-fi and, and different philosophical ideas uh, in different uh, episodes and movies and books of, of sci-fi stuff. So that one's super fun as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you for everything you do. I hope if you're listening to this podcast right now, just stop what you're doing and go uh, subscribe to the
1: ones Thomas just mentioned. They're fantastic. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you so much, Emmett. I love you. And thanks for letting me on your show. Absolutely. Thank you.